0: Hello again. You're listening to the Pushing Sixty Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming. I am an ISSA certified fitness trainer, senior fitness specialist, and nutrition coach. Uh that and about a dollar fifty will get you a cup of coffee. You know, uh, been training people now for going on about five or six years, and uh, kind of started late in life, but uh, I chose to specialize in senior fitness because. Um, of issues that were concerning me because I was approaching age 60 at the time, so that's a little bit of a backstory. If this is your first time to listen, thank you for listening. I'm going to a slightly different format in which um, I've shortened the podcast to do what I call a shortcast of uh, a topic, a single topic that I think may help you as you ferret your way through. Uh, your approach to senior living. Now, you know, there's not one set standard that applies to everybody of both sexes at every age, because when we talk about the senior population, uh, we can safely say that's everybody from 60 to as old as you can live, you know, and recently we've seen some outstanding accomplishments by people over a hundred, even in Hundred yard dashes, so you know. Don't limit your thinking with the presumptions that um, that that you're going to not outlive people in your genetic bloodline, because the possibility is there. Because you have access to health care, um, maybe you have more awareness of things that senior people encounter as they age. It's more than just, you know, needing glasses or hearing aids or maybe using an assistive device like a cane or a walker or having to deal with arthritis. You know, the topics go way beyond just those things that we're all acutely aware of. The thing that concerns me most as I approach my truly senior years, and that's how I like to think about Anything that I get as a bonus beyond age 70 is the ability to function, um, you know, right here in my house, getting in and out of my car, going grocery shopping, taking vacations, playing a little golf, doing a little fishing, uh, going to the gym, uh, going to church or other social activities uh, that interest me, uh, spending time with my extended family. And, you know, so that doesn't make me anything special. That makes me a person about like you, because those are the kinds of things that we think about, we dream about, we plan for, and we hope to be able to do in our senior years. Well, uh, here lately, uh, as my wife and I are working through, uh, you know, how we want to set things up, Um both legally and uh, as a as a help to each other, and this is the the tip I want to put out on the podcast today is that we really need to have a plan because there are things that are important to us um, in daily living that we may or may not know. I grew up in a household where my father worked; and he brought home the check. He gave the check to my mother. She put the check in the bank. Uh, She had sole control over the payment of bills and the checkbook and the disbursement of my father's earnings. That sounds very 50s, 60-ish, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, but that's the way it was. And I can remember about, you know, once a month or maybe twice a month, my mother would sit down with the checkbook and the, the bills that had to be paid, and she would write checks and um, put them in envelopes and put a stamp on them and send them to the power company, the gas company, uh, the the bank that held the mortgage on our home, the car payments, all that kind of stuff, you know, all of it had to be paid, and so, but times have changed, you know, and in my household, and, and probably in many of yours, too, um, uh, um, uh, one person still typically takes care of most of the financial needs. And and I hate to admit it, but in my case, yes, I know we have electricity. I know we have cell phones and cell phone bills. I know that we have um, uh, natural gas heat. I know we have garbage and water and sewer service that has a bill that comes I know that we have a mortgage that has to be paid. And so, um, you know, I'm aware of all these things, but I don't personally handle those things. And it's not like in the old days where my mother got a bill in the U.S. mail uh, once a month from the respective uh, company. Um, You know, a lot of our bills come online now you know, and a lot of our bills are paid electronically. In other words, my wife is not licking envelopes and stamps and uh, and putting in the mail to pay our bills these days. It's all done electronically. So uh, there's this thing we never like to talk about, but it's going to happen in every household. Uh, somebody is going to get sick first, somebody is going to die first. And I hate to talk in such frank language, but that's just what's going to happen. You know, Rare is the event where the husband and wife both die the same day. And even then, there are things we need to think about. Um, we have a book on our desk that's entitled, believe it or not, What to Do If I Die. I think it's pretty clever. And our daughters are aware of this book, and in that book are the instructions that they're going to need to make sure all the loose ends are are tidied up. And I'm glad that book's there, because if I'm the widower at some point, I'm going to need that book. I need to know which accounts are paying which bills and how all that is handled, and because I don't want to get down to that crucial point where I'm, I'm, I'm very sad, and we've had a funeral, and and then I come back home to a a house that's just me and the dog, and um, and then in the next month those bills are still going to come, and if they go to her email account, and uh, and she's got all that set up with bank drafts that are automatic or. Uh, credit card payments that are automatic, all that stuff, I'm going to have to handle that within the month of her passing. Now, that's graphic, and it, it, it's, it's one of those things we don't want to think about and we don't like to think about, but I need to have uh, a plan in place, not just for me, but for her if she becomes a widow, You know, what things have I been taking care of all these years that uh, she doesn't have to ever even look at? And uh, what things are going to need to be closed down? Who's going to need to be notified? How is that stuff done? Who needs a death certificate? You know, like I'm a retired military person, so um, I get paid uh, my retirement um, through... Uh, you know our our military pay system, and it's been well appreciated. and And uh, I'd like to say I, I earned every dime of it, and and I'm thankful that the U.S. government takes care of us retirees like that. But um, the day I die, that pay stops. The that that those people have to be notified officially. Not just a phone call that said he's gone, but they need his death certificate and my pay ceases. And if it doesn't cease, it keeps going into the account. And then it could possibly be a situation where my wife could be charged with fraud. You see, because uh, she's not entitled to receive that once I'm no longer here. So that's got to be taken care of. And she needs to know how to be able to do that and um that's something your funeral home director can advise you on he might um say well you need to get those bills and those automatic uh, retirement checks and all that taken care of um there's also she needs to know where my life insurance is held and how to contact that company because they're going to need a death certificate and um so it you know it's it's there's so many things that happen when we lose a loved one. And I I would venture to say that most people are not adequately uh, prepared for the volume of things that the surviving spouse is going to have to contend with uh, in just a short period of time. You, you know, so in order to try to help ourselves... Uh, Things that we've done is we have a last will and testament. That makes sense. We have living wills that provide instructions about uh, us medically should we become in a persistent vegetative state. And, you know, once again, I hate to be graphic, but, you know, at what point is the decision made to terminate my life support? And are those my wishes? Well, those need to be legally documented and, you know, held by your doctor and uh, possibly your um, your attorney if you have one. And we have one because of estate planning and those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, and so um, then something else that needs to happen over the years is a review of these things to make sure that they're up to date and And it goes beyond just knowing who I owe money to and how to pay that, but it also involves things that you wouldn't normally consider, like um, passwords, you know, and how's this how do you access these accounts to pay them things like that and so we have a, a guidebook for that too um so right now, she can fly through the bill paying and all these things just click, clack, click, clack, you know, and it's all done. Me, I'm going to have to sit down and go bill by bill, account by account, do the logins and and do all of that should I be the surviving spouse. And it's something that I need. I need to put my hands on that information periodically so I know where it is. I need to thumb through it and have a generalized awareness of who we owe, what we owe, and how it's paid. If there's a password needed to access certain accounts, I need to know what that is and where to find it Uh, because I'm hoping that when it gets down to that point, either for her or for me, that we will have a friend or a family member, one of our daughters, who will come to help us wade through that stuff, and I want it, it's going to be difficult, yeah, but not just the first month, but every month thereafter, I'm still going to have to be able to do this stuff, so it needs to be, I need to be able to find it, I need to be able to understand it, I need to be able to execute it, and I need to be able to do it over and over again until, if I'm the survivor, that I no longer have the presence of mind or the ability to do these things, and then I'm going to need help. And that's where I hope we have a trusted agent, a friend, a daughter, uh, somebody, a grandchild perhaps at that point, who can come in and and have power of attorney to help us with things, uh, financial things, medical, and... Uh, you know, there's there's other things, too. You know, um, some of our prescriptions are on Autofill. And uh, so, you know, that's going to have to be stopped. You know, it's just things like that. There's subscriptions that she has that I don't have, like to Audible or other Internet services that I don't even use that will need to be stopped. There may be certain services through uh, our a television provider uh, or streaming service that uh, that were exclusive to her that will need to be stopped. Otherwise, those automatic payments are just going to keep going out month after month, year after year. And a quick story in summation, I will tell you this. About 15 years ago, and perhaps you saw this, I'm sure you did if you were online at all, The the company called Classmates.com uh, begin to, you know, become popular. And I got to, I've got to admit, it was pretty neat because I went on there and I found my high school and I signed up and I had to pay for that. And I paid for a three year subscription. And at that time, it wasn't much, you know, it was maybe $15 a year or something like that. Well, once I had reconnected with my classmates, and you know, connected with them later through Facebook or, or, or whatever, or maybe just phone numbers—the <laughs> old-fashioned way people talk. Um, um, I no longer used classmates classmates.com. It just kind of faded from my memory, and I quit using it. And then one day, about ten years later, my wife asked me, um, "Who does this?" Uh, a hundred and fifty or a hundred dollar payment a year go to and I said, I'm I'm not sure and we had to dig and, and realize that I was still sending money every year to classmates dot com to have an account with them that I did not use. And I'm gonna tell you, we could have used that hundred dollars for something. Uh another round of golf, uh, and some new shoes. Uh but uh, the process of canceling that account and stopping those payments was very complicated and it wasn't just one phone call hey i don't use y'all anymore uh sign me off you know it was it was more complicated than that and um and it took a couple of days of working through the system so in summation this podcast today this shortcast is about uh, preparations for whatever may come you know sometimes we have an idea that one of us is sick and uh and that it's a terminal illness and maybe uh, beforehand in short order we have the ability to get ready for uh, the responsibilities that we as a widow or widower are going to have to assume and sometimes death comes suddenly and that makes it particularly hard Um, because then you go into it blind. So my encouragement to you today is uh, talk with your spouse, talk with your loved ones, whoever you anticipate being a support person to you. Uh, Should you have a death in your family and have a plan, then make sure that you review it from time to time to make sure that you can take care of yourself as you work your way forward in life. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, share it. These opinions uh, are not solely mine, but they are my opinions. I never offer medical advice because I'm not a doctor. I'm just a fitness trainer. I work with a lot of senior people, and I know that a lot of them have struggled when they took on that unfortunate title of widow or widower. I hope you have a truly good week.